Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another dive into another CD from Ken Hensley's brand new box set from Cherry Red Records. This is CD number three, Running Blind. This originally came out in 2002. And I'll correct what I said yesterday from the liner notes of the original CD. Ken said, I suppose this CD is really typical of the way I like to record with a mixture of songs of different styles. Most of the time, I consider myself a storyteller and the tempo, rhythm and production should combine to accompany the lyrical message. And I think that's very, very typical of uh, the way Ken writes, especially as I said, um, talking to him, he always writes the lyrics first, doesn't even think about music until the lyrics are done then finds the uh, the flow of them, which I find just fascinating. Um, the first song that we have on this CD, I'm not even going to try and pronounce because I do not speak Spanish. I cannot fake a Spanish accent. Not even going to insult anybody by trying, but it is an overture. And uh, that would usually be more telltale of a soundtrack of a, you know, like a play or a film where there's a, a cohesive score and you have an overture that kind of gives you an overview of the different themes that are on there. So it's going to be interesting to see if this works as an actual overture or not. Um, I know Uriah Heap did that. They did Roll Overture and um, it was really just its own song. Didn't seem to be connected to anything else that uh, I picked up on the album anyway. Uh, but the actual English translation is The Secret Sadness of a Gypsy Heart. That sounds so Ken Hensley, doesn't it? I mean, he, he so many of his songs are just dealing with that emotion and that yearning and that um, I don't quite have what I want or I'm not quite where I want to be or, or I'm missing that love that I want so badly, like I'm so close or right on the edge of it. And um, so that that title just is absolutely perfect. Now, when I uh, first met him, he was living in St. Louis. I don't know where he was living in 2002. This would have been after we lost touch. But um, I do know that he was living in Spain when I interviewed him a couple of years ago. So I'm not sure if he was in Spain or just had an affinity for the Spanish language. Maybe he just thought the title sounded more elegant in Spanish. I don't know. I did that with with one of my symphonies. I, I got the German translation from my grandmother and uh, titled it in German. I can't pronounce it, but it just seems cooler. I don't know why. Um, so here is that uh, overture. Let's check it out. So here I was just saying yesterday that we don't get instrumentals from Ken Hensley. And here we are. First song on CD number three is an instrumental. It also ends uh, very abruptly telling me that it probably leads into the second track. And this is one of the drawbacks of the MP3 world is on an album, you could blend tracks. You could blend tracks uh, on a CD 
or on a download if you kept it as one file ID. So um, take the way that Uriah Heap did Paradise Dispel. It was broken into two things um, and cut. You could have that one long thing and um, just, but it would have to be one, I, one ID. You couldn't start one track with Paradise and one start with the spell. It would have to be one long piece of music. That has its pluses and minuses. It works better for the audio side, but it certainly doesn't work um, for, you know, the downloading purposes or if you just want to hear the spell without hearing Paradise or vice versa. So um, it's a challenging thing. And unfortunately, we're left with things like this where we have to cut in the middle of a song. Now, uh, some MP3 players will play um, with a two second delay and uh, you'll hear that gap and it just ruins the music. It takes you completely out of the flow of the song, potentially the album, especially if it's a soundtrack situation or something like this, where we have an overture going into a prelude. Uh, but that's that's just one of the drawbacks of digital. I used to have, I'm trying to remember what it was called, Soundforge, I think, where I used to be able to just put the whole album, like string it together visually on the screen and then drop specific file IDs in where I wanted them. So I would actually be able to have a change of file IDs in the middle of this. But nowadays you have to upload the pieces individually. So you don't have the ability to do that. And, um, and it's unfortunate because, uh, if, if I were doing CDs, I might still be able to do that, but you know, not a lot of people are buying physical medium right now. So I'm not making CDs anymore. Everything I do is digital. Uh, although it'd be really sweet to have an LP one day. Uh, that being said, the challenge is that you go back and you're like, okay, so how do I arrange it? Do I make it one song? That changes the number of tracks. It changes the you know individual. If you've got somebody that wrote part of the second song and not part of the first song, now you've got credits and issues to deal with. So it really just is kind of a mess. And this is one of the unfortunate results is that the song ends in the middle of the music. And if you're playing it on iTunes or uh, like off of an iPod, uh, it's going to have a delay and it's going to break up the song and um, the the whole flow is going to be gone. So, um, you know, pluses and minuses, but um, it's it's an unfortunate result of the digital medium world that we live in, unless you want to suffer with uh, having it be one song. That being said, this is a beautiful piece of music. I, I love it. It's really uh, emotion provoking. It really makes me wonder what this album is going to be all about. It definitely makes me feel like I have to know. And I like that. That's what an overture should do. It should be a, an overview of what you're about to get into, but it should also be interesting and intriguing and draw you in. And this one definitely does that. So let's see where it goes in prelude. I'm expecting it's going to be an abrupt beginning of the file ID. We'll see.
Yeah, that's what I thought. It was going to be a pretty abrupt beginning because um, just the way that the other song was going, I, I was sure it blended into this one. Um, pretty cool, though. Uh, not a smooth performance on that keyboard, which is OK. I mean, maybe it was meant to be kind of uh, choppy and off-putting. Um, certainly can have the capability of playing that very smoothly. So I'm going to guess that that was uh, specifically targeted to um, be uh, throwing you off a little bit. Um, the song is good. It's got good energy. It really moves. It, it basically just repeats that keyboard part through the whole thing. And then you have different solos that come in. You've got a guitar that comes into the left ear, a guitar that comes into the right ear. Then you've got a keyboard solo. Um, but I will say so far, I'm not pleased with the production on this one. Um, it's the, the solos are again buried. It's like they, they should have dropped that rhythm down in the mix a little bit and left room for those solos, but they didn't. The drums are really at peak volume. Um, that snare cuts through. The kick is is kind of flat. Um, so yeah, production-wise, it's almost like they put a high shelf over everything except for the snare drum. And then they let the snare drum have the high-end EQ and cut through a little bit more, uh, which is something you can do. But it's just, you know, if you move the, the high shelf too far to the left. Um, it just, the whole thing doesn't have quite the same clarity. Everything has starts to get into a little bit of a muddy atmosphere. And then of course, um, you know, the solos don't cut through as much if they're, if they also don't have that high end on them, they're not going to cut through that muck. They're going to be a part of it. So, uh, mix wise, and then the solos weren't balanced volume wise either. Um, you know, the first solo was a little bit louder. The second solo was a little bit quieter when it's quieter, when it switched over to the keyboard, it was kind of in between. So, um, you know, we're two songs in, so there's a long way to go. Once we get into the other songs, it might be completely different, but so far not a big fan of the mix, but I will say this is a really cool song. It really moves. It's got a lot of energy to it. I like the solos, despite the difficulty of being able to hear them. And uh, I think it's a fun song. And uh, now Ken's shown me twice he can write instrumentals because right off the bat, we've got two after I just said yesterday he doesn't do them. There you have it. All right. So that brings us to track number three. This is called Out of My Control. So a long and repetitious chorus and a long, slow fade out brings this song to five minutes and one second, according to the file ID. Uh, but here's the thing. It's a good song. It's fun. Uh, it's nice to get back the uh, Ken that we're used to, the kind of writing style that we're used to outside of the gospel world, and uh, just have some real good energy in a song. It's a killer beat. Um, when I can hear the bass cut through, it sounds really good. But I've got the the same issue that I have with a lot of Ken's stuff is that the organ is just too overbearing in the mix. If he dropped the organ down, you know, uh, uh, just a little bit on the volume, everything else would cut through just fine because it seems like everything else is mixed very well. Maybe the guitar solos are just a little quiet, 
Um, but the performance is spectacular. It's great to hear uh, his voice again on a song, singing the whole thing and very comfortably uh, some nice backups that he does on his own voice, no gospel choir or anything like that. So we're we're back to the, the Ken Hensley solo world that we're comfortable with. Uh, it's a good song. I would definitely listen to it again. Um, uh, you know, again, I think the production is going to plague this album for me a bit. Um, three songs in and they all sound, they, they all have that sort of um, high high shelf sheen on them. But uh, but definitely great song. Absolutely great song. Next up, we are looking at a song called You've Got It. The Oh, it's You've Got It, The American Dream. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, is is really good rock and roll uh, coming from Ken. This would have fit, I think, really well within somewhere within the the period he was in Uriah Heap. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's even got that, um, what do you call it, the theremin coming back in towards the end. Uh, really good energy. And, and it's interesting because Ken has a lot of range. But he can sing um, very straightforward and almost uh, almost dry in a way, but you still feel the emotion anyway. It's very unique. Not a lot of singers I could say uh, I could think of that could do that. But uh, yeah, this song's great. Great guitars, um, great riff, really powerful chorus. Uh, definitely a winner in my book. So um, yeah, we're back. We're back in the fight. <laughs> uh, definitely come back from CD number two for sure. Uh, our next song is called Final Solution, yet it's only track five out of 14. song. I really like that it started with that abrupt organ chord and that they didn't, uh, you know, fade that in or kind of, you know, roll off the attack on that, that it just came, boom, here's the song. Um, got a great groove to it, moves really well. There's a weird part towards the end where it goes acapella, 
but then comes in with the full band out of nowhere just to fade out. It's it's kind of strange. Like if that would have happened a little earlier and then we would have gone into like another chorus or the solo or something like that um, might have been uh, a little more normal for me. Um, but it was the acapella part is cool. And I like the way that it comes back in, but it just like really quickly fades out from there. So that's kind of a strange uh, thing. Definitely is reminiscent of the the Phantom of the Opera theme. In fact, uh, the the keyboard progression even does that. Da, 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 da. There's a really good version of the Phantom of the Opera theme by Lindsey Sterling, the violinist. Um, really, really cool, like hardcore version of it. Um, but yeah, this is a good song. It definitely feels very... Um, I, I don't think, I don't know if soundtracky is the word. I mean, it kind of does if it's like a rock opera, like a Tommy or something like that. And maybe, maybe there was a visual in his mind. Uh, as far as I know, this isn't an actual musical, even though we start with an overture and go to a prelude. Um, there's no, um, you know, there's no final overture or anything like that at the end, unless the final song has that. And so far I haven't recognized any of the songs being in the overture, but uh, yeah, this is a cool song. I, I really dig it. It's got great energy to it and one I would definitely listen to again. So that is the final solution, even though we're far from the final. And now it's up to you. feels like it really would have fit on the last CD. It, it definitely has that um, same instrument introduction setup that we had a lot on CD number two. And also, you know, the electric piano, um, that guitar riff that almost sounds like a kazoo. It's, um, yeah, I think this would have fit better with uh, with Visible Faith. Um, I, as it stands on its own, it's not bad. It's kind of repetitive, um, it just goes from like, uh, you know, guitar solo to chorus, to bridge, to chorus, to bridge, guitar, uh, to chorus, and then guitar solo to end. And, um, doesn't have a lot else going on. Like the parts that, that we have are really cool, very energetic, um, great vocal, but that's it. There's, there needed to be like another bridge or a breakdown or something in here, I think to, um, to make the song flow a little bit more. And I mean, it's a, it's a five minute song when, there's not that much to it. So, um, again, you know, it, it didn't really, I, I liked the parts, but as the overall song, it didn't really grip me because there wasn't another dynamic in there, but the parts themselves were pretty cool. Um, next we get to the halfway point of this CD. This one's called Finney's Tale. I should say that's T-A-L-E, not T-A-I-L, because that would be a whole different song.
This is a cool tune. Uh, definitely has like a, a folk feel to it in a slightly more upbeat rock setting. Uh, but I like the just the straight storytelling is pretty cool. Um, this is a great example about uh, the production, though, and I think I can go into that a little more here. This album is not Brickwall Limited. It is Peak Limited, it looks like, where they just take the peaks of the song, push those as high as they can, and then everything else follows uh, in suit. So wherever the balance was, the balance stays, as opposed to Brickwall Limiting, which pushes everything up to the to the peak. Um, this just takes the peaks and pushes them as far as they can go, bringing everything up with them. So when you hear the strings in the beginning, and I'm pretty sure those are keyboard strings, they don't sound like real strings to me, but they're uh, they're loud in the mix, they drop out, Ken comes in right at about the same volume, maybe slightly less, and when the strings come back in, um, it should basically like take over for the vocals, almost like a guitar solo or something, what? Um, but when they're both playing together the strings really override the vocals again. And and that's almost like the organ takes over in some of the other songs where when it comes in, it's just too loud and buries everything else. So the strings are really nice at the beginning, but when they come in over the vocals, they should be quieter because the vocals, again, as, as Ken said, he's a storyteller first. So that should get the precedence in the mix. And then uh, if they're going to bring in the strings over the vocals or at the same time as the vocals, they really should be underneath of them. And then if they're going to have the strings back in another solo section, then they can be louder. But underneath the vocals, they should be down and really let the vocals shine through. Um, other than that, I thought the song sounded pretty good. Um, I, I almost thought the drums were programmed at the beginning. They just had kind of that sound to them. And they may have been uh, for this album. I have no idea. But uh, overall, it was pretty good. It's it's a nice... Um, little bouncy song and uh, almost like, you know, that Irish drinking kind of uh, song or, you know, that when they do those uh, limerick songs where um, they really just like tell the story of some guy from back in the day, but it had a good feel to it. I like it. It was uh, up, upbeat and jovial, I would say. So that brings us to our next song, track number eight, which is called Close My Eyes. When I think about the distance between us And how hard it is at times here on my own Then I think about your smile About our love and in a while I close my eyes and I'm not alone thought this song sounded familiar, so I went back and double-checked my list of Uriah Heep, The Magician's podcast episodes, and sure enough, there was a bonus track on the album High and Mighty. It is this song. However, uh, instead of it being on guitar, Ken played it on piano, so it is uh, a different feeling, certainly. Um, this is an interesting version. I like the strings. They actually sound real on this one. Like This is a real string section. I don't know if it is or not, or maybe a couple players that did some layers in the studio to make it sound like a bigger section, but it's a really beautiful song. Um, I don't know why, but the the Carpenters come to mind. Like This is almost something like they might have done, 
but it's a really beautiful song. Has a bit of a strange ending, um, kind of goes into a more of a Spanish guitar style at the end that seems a bit uh, a bit disconnected from the rest of the song, but it, it actually does flow into it very nicely. So I, I'm not going to say anything bad about it, except that it's just different, um, but a very beautiful song, very, very elegant and passionate vocal from Ken. Definitely one of my favorites on this one so far. Um, beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful song. Uh, in the show notes, I put the link into the original version, my review for the Magicians podcast. So feel free to check that out from the High and Mighty album. And again, that was a bonus track, not part of the official release. So our next song is called Little Piece of Me, Julia's Song. It makes me laugh to see you smile And I'm so sad when you cry And it's easy to see This comes to be Cause you're a little piece of me Once upon a time I really wondered If you were gonna happen at all But in the back of my mind There you were all the time And now This is a really lovely song about a man singing to his daughter as she sits on his knee. It's it's really a beautiful song. Um, there's some really nice fretless bass at the end of it, too. But it started making me wonder if this really wasn't the soundtrack to like a, an opera or musical that Ken had in his head. So I did a little bit of digging and I wasn't really able to find much. Um, what I did find interesting is that one of the bass players on this album is John Wetton, who we know from Asia and Uriah Heep. Also, um, there were string players on this. So the the string that I thought initially was a keyboard still may have been a keyboard. Uh, that might have been one that Ken did himself, but there were string players on the album. Now, Ken did not know how to write music in, uh, you know, in notation form. So he probably would have had to have brought in an orchestrator or somebody to do that. Uh, I remember asking him, you know, when when we first met and we're talking over email, how Salisbury came to be since I, I had read that he didn't know how to read or write music. And um, and again, I'm talking in like physical, you know, longhand music form of notation as opposed to he didn't know how to write music because obviously he did. Um and he never answered me on that one. But I read I read uh, later on when I was doing the Magicians podcast that it basically like one guy came in and just wrote the parts and worked with them on what they were happy with and what they weren't, uh, which makes a lot of sense. So uh, it was beautifully orchestrated, by the way. I love that song. Uh, anyway, going back to this one. Um, yeah, really nice song. It, it feels like it kind of should be a country song with the acoustic guitar and the, the rims and everything, but it's not. It, it really feels just like a, a really beautiful ballad. Could have worked in a musical, absolutely. So a uh, little piece of me being Julia, you know, his his daughter, the character's daughter in the song. Um, very nice one. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that is, I mean, it's just so Ken's wheelhouse. Definitely. So our next song is, and uh, and this was uh, also done in St. Louis, by the way. It was the uh, St. Louis orchestra, orchestral string section that was involved, and uh, it was written and recorded in St. Louis. So he was still there when he did this album. Now, uh, that brings us to our next song, which is called Free Spirit. 
Yeah, this is another great rocker uh, shuffle, which is always nice to have on an album. And, uh, you know, certainly Uriah Heep had plenty of shuffles and Ken was behind a lot of those. But yeah, this is a this is just a, a good, upbeat, fun song. It's a fun chorus, uh, really great music on it. Um, it. It has a bit of a weird ending, though. It kind of cuts off. So I'm going to guess that this blends into our next song, which is called Moving In. Like I thought, it it was definitely a continuation of our previous song, Free Spirit. Uh, this is a nice song. I really dig this one. It's got a great feel to it. Um, really nice chorus. Really great vocal, of course, from from Ken. But there's just something about the the tempo is so perfect for this song. It's it's not too slow and it's not too fast. It it is literally just right. I think if it if it would have been two or three beats per minute slower, it would have been fine. If it was five beats per minute slower, it would have been too much. Um, just has a a great feel to it, and I love that. Just the overtone of the song, you know, it has kind of um, kind of a darker overtone, even though uh, it, it doesn't. There's nothing sonically about it that would lead you to that. It just has that feeling to me. And I really like songs that that do that. It's it's almost an illusion. And um, yeah, I'm a fan of this one for sure. So uh, let's see, where are we at? Our next one is called Let Me Be Me. Well, I tried to do it your way And I tried to do it I really like this song. Um, just another great rock and roller. And uh, it's got a good message to it too. You know, like I just let me be who I want to be and who I am. I think there's a, a fine line between uh, showing people thinking outside of their thinking and directing them to kind of mold them into who you think they should be. Um, very interesting subject matter, nonetheless. And uh, here's Ken standing up against it. 
But a cool song. Um, it has a weird, uh, yeah, I really like the backing vocals, but they're, again, you know, the mix is a little unbalanced. The backing vocals are louder than the regular vocals. So that kind of throws the mix off. But it ends with a repetition of just the acapella version of the backing vocals. And uh, and it's pretty interesting. I, I love the layer of it. Um, definitely reminiscent of the kind of backing vocals that we had in Uriah Heep. And um Yep. Cool song. Definitely worth a listen. Probably, uh, you know, this would be a great song to just, you know, like blast in your car, in your car when you're driving down the highway. I think it would definitely fit that uh, feel. You know, you've got the freedom. You're saying, don't control me. I drive the road myself. I like that. Uh, second to last song we have up is I Don't Wanna Wait. W-A-N-N-A. Because that's how you'd spell it. dig this one um it's it's interesting because it's it's like a a rock song but it's got that spanish guitar in the beginning and then it comes back later in the song uh i really like the way it's layered in too um really beautiful uh the song moves really well the chorus is really interesting and powerful you definitely feel like he means what he's singing uh, just a, a great song overall. Definitely one that I could see myself listening to many times. This is really shaping up to be a, a great CD. And um, I definitely feel like we've recovered from yesterday. So let's get to our very last track on the album. Song number 14, Tell Me. So we end the album with another shuffle, uh, definitely a heavier song. Um, really like the guitar sound on this one a lot better than some of the other songs. Um, it's really kind of rich. Again, just slightly too loud when the vocals come in. But hey, you know, that's just me being a nitpicky audio engineer. 
uh yeah cool song um there's a bit of comedy at the very end of it like the song ends and then just hang on for a couple seconds of silence and then it comes in and you hear uh ken talking uh, with an acoustic guitar uh you know it really still feels like this is the soundtrack to a non-existent show and that's okay it's it's a good album it's cohesive um, got a lot of great songs on it. I didn't like everything a hundred percent, but definitely was a, a overall a very, very good album. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to cover CD number four of the box set, The Last Dance, which is not The Last Dance because it's CD number four and there are six in this wonderful box set being released by Cherry Red Records. Links are in the show notes, guys. Go check them out. Hope you enjoyed my review of these songs today. There's definitely some great material here, a lot to dig into, some songs that I'll be listening to many times throughout the course of the rest of my life. I hope you guys will too. Enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.